This episode of the Dump and Change podcast brought to you by SaveSeawolfHockey.com. Save Seawolf Hockey is a group of hockey boosters, hockey alumni, and fans dedicated to saving Seawolf Hockey. How can you help? You can donate, pledge, and play 50-50 virtual split the pot at SaveSeawolfHockey.com. Listen, the hockey landscape in Alaska will change forever if we lose college hockey in Anchorage. We've talked about it many times in the pod as hockey players who have all grown up playing hockey in Alaska and watching the Seawolves, it's impossible to find a local youth player who hasn't been coached by a UAA alum. Guys like Dennis Sorensen, Pete McEnany, Paul Bronis, Tim Molly, Brian Kraft, Dean Larson, Jim Mays. Ever hear of these guys? I would virtually be here all day if I included everyone as the list just keeps going. These former players have made such an enormous impact on our game and community in so many ways. Brush Christensen started this program grassroots style back in 1979. Don't let it end this way. We urge you to help us save our local college hockey program for future generations. Save SeawolfHockey.com. And we're back. Welcome to uh, episode 23 of the Dump and Chains podcast. Uh, We're coming to you live from uh, Odd Man Rush Studios, deep, deep, deep in Eagle River Valley at the Glines Compound. Um, We're stoked. We got a great show for you today. Uh, one that we had to cancel, um, we'll get to that, because uh, I got COVID, it's real people, I got it, wasn't as bad, I had minor, minor, minor symptoms, but it did make me uh, very, very tired for a few days, so it was, I was getting, I almost slept into noon one time, it was pretty awesome, but um, so, uh, but we uh, we got him back in the house, so we're, we're stoked, but um no Walt today, so sitting in for Walt, I usually push it to Walt right now, we got uh, the lovely hot rod coach wild sitting in i hope you enjoyed the wild podcast uh it was great i mean i actually i did two little i, I listened to it last night like i was telling coach here i don't listen to myself i don't listen to podcasts all the time because i don't like to hear myself talk but i did uh, listen to that one and i two random stories you told i just like hit my watch and or my stopwatch and counted the f-bombs you dropped <laughs> you want to guess what you were per minute i, well, I want to guess yeah uh Per minute. And someone, maybe we can get Hale to do it all, all the way. Seven? You're nine. Nine. Nine per minute. That's admirable. It was pretty good. Yeah. A couple back-to-back. It was, it was impressive. So if we had an F-bomb button, mute button, you would have broke it last time. Okay, but we're going to try and keep it uh, – we're going to try and keep it a little, uh, little more PG today. Uh, so we don't have any Walt. Walt uh, did text me some uh, – are we getting him patched in at all or – Hale, that's a, I, I that's a, a quick, no. Quick question. So if, if Walter's not here, does that mean we're not talking about the Fury? We're not talking no. hashtag Fury. No, hashtag Fury. No, no, we don't need to talk about that. No. Um, uh, so we, we don't have any Waltz. We got Coach Wild, so thanks for coming on, Coach. Um, we also have no Ginge. Big Ginge is, is uh, down in Tennessee. Trying to, he's trying to take some tests to – Make some more money, his job, work his way up the ladder there at uh, Raven Air. So he is not here. Uh, but we do have executive producer Steve Glines in the house. Glines, the place is looking great, bud. Uh, thanks, Riddle. Yeah, uh, we took a little time off. We had, uh, you know, some travel stuff, Ginge on the road, uh, Walt coming and going, and uh, the holidays, of course. So that gave me a little more time to tweak some stuff in here. We actually, since the Wild Pod, we stripped this place down to bare bones. And uh, found another revenue stream for the for the pod, and uh, we hosted a wedding in here. 
my brother-in-law, Aaron's brother. So I'm not going to say how many were in attendance, but this was pre-AO16 for those that are not from the Anchorage area. <laughs> There's some more severe mandates out here. So, uh, yeah, we had a, a beautiful, beautiful wedding. I was the officiant, and uh, it, it went really well. So um, back, we're back with the pod. We got a great setup here. We got uh, engineer Kevin Hale. We'll introduce him in a minute. Uh, his screens just get bigger and bigger as we go. I mean, and now we got lights and a whole nine yards. So, and I got something we introduced on the last pod, the, the mic switch for Steve. The mute button. On. Yeah, you're off, but oh, see, hear. I'm off. It works. It would work. <laughs> so I'm scouring the uh, I'm scouring the engineer universe to find another switch that uh, takes my. Uh, you've noticed. Yep. So it, uh, there's the um guy, the um I uh, um, and then there's the you know, like uh, you know, I went down to the store, you know, I bought, you know, well, I'm the a guy apparently. So I've I've gone back. I just did it right there. God damn it. Nervous tick. Anyway, so uh, but back here at the uh, the kids table, looking forward to a great pod. We got some great guests. Uh, missing the boys, uh, Ginge and Walt. Uh, happy to have uh, Coach Wild here, and uh, I'm gonna throw it back to the uh, the big kids table. All right. Well, I'm gonna throw it right back to we got uh, studio engineer uh, Kevin. Hey, hello. Uh, is the screen thing kind of like the guys with the big trucks? Big truck, small wiener, or is that No comment at this accurate? time. No, okay. no comment. No comment. Uh, Heyo doing a bang-up job, as you can see. He's got more toys, and I think he just puts screens up there to make himself look cool. But uh, but thanks, uh, Heyo. You looking good? Anything else you want to say there, Heyo, before you no, get started? No, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to see uh, see how this goes. Okay, I got, I got a couple things before we start here. Um we uh, we talked about your f bombs already. Um, you said to go back and do some homework on the last pod, which I did. I believe the uh, goal you were looking Peter for. Peter Bartline. Peter Bartline. Yes. Backup was Murphy, Murphy Quinn. Quinn. Murphy Quinn. Murphy Quinn. came and solved Murphy, that one. Murphy the Q. Then I had to go to the double D to find out who the goalie was who put the puck uh, in there on that. And nothing against Shugiak Hockey. You guys have had some back in those days. You never had that one goalie that was just awesome. Like, I'm talking back in the '80s, not later but the 80s uh you said it was kp kenny pew, pew. kenny pew yep kenny pew yeah uh but uh yeah uh, yeah guys story. like what, what are some other goalies from that era uh, leper he was he was that kind of era right yeah brad leper uh kevin frisk Ooh. was that another one yeah yeah so um yeah anyway problem solved there yeah i got it i got peter bartley and i i remembered it like as i'm driving away that night yeah, well, that's how it always happens. So I, I had to call Double D, so Double D, thank you, buddy. Um, since Walt's not here, I do have a, a shout-out to a friend of the pod, as uh, Walt likes to call him, uh, a guy by the name of Matt Best, kid by the name of Matt Best. He is 40 years old. He's probably a, he's probably a grown man now. He's yeah, not Matt's kid. not a kid um, anymore. <laughs> and so anyway, Matt, Matt uh, texted me, and he listened to your pod, and uh, he said he was working. He's a construction guy. He's working. He said brought him to tears. He just uh, – about the whole, you know um, – because he was around uh, the skills clinic mm -hmm. and just that whole thing, just like all nostalgia came back to him. And, and so uh, that's kind of what we had talked about at one point we wanted the pod to be is kind of like for the guys who have played local guys that, you know, and kind of get that nerve. So anyway, good job you guys hitting the nerve because uh, Matt was like, I, I can't believe, because I can't believe I just found out about it right now. So he's been going to the backlog and oh, checking good for it all him. out. That's so awesome. It's pretty awesome. Uh, me and myself, I did one on another Costco run Friday night. The wife, uh, maybe the Costco run. We all know how that last one worked out. It actually worked out pretty good. I know, sorry, Gab just walked in here, but 
Uh, my wife loves when I talk about this on the air, but uh, I, I did uh, go to um, Costco on Friday night, help her get all the milk. And, the, and the reward was the reward was uh, actually yeah Saturday morning. The reward was nice. uh, paid up in full, so we're no, nothing. Uh, have no no complaints there. Uh, and as you, we text a lot, and uh, a lot of times we monologue a lot, so record ourselves talking and send it to other guys. It's stupid, I know, but it's what we do. Um, <laughs> And so mine, my wife has, has painted this wall. It's called an accent wall. Like the whole whole living room is one color, the accent wall. Oh, yeah, color. Yeah. So I painted the whole living room just a shade darker than it was. Uh, live, uh, kitchen, same blue, different blue, but just a little darker. She put up to, what, 15, 20 splotches of paint, little tiny guys you buy at Lowe's. No, 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 no. She asked me, what do you think? I'm like, I, I like the green. I hate the green. Okay, then again, why did you ask me? I just said, said whatever. So she ends up picking, I'm not, I'm not shitting you when I say this, she ends up picking the same color, just a shade darker, but it's so much warmer. But as a guy who's been married for 20-some years, what do you say? Oh, honey, that looks great. It's, it is so much warmer. I mean, it's, I don't know, check the thermostat here, but it's it's warm. So anyway, and I did that, but I do want to go back to the time uh Glines and Hale were drinking down here and they came to my house and I was painting. And I like to paint in my underwear because, and you, sometimes a shirt, sometimes no shirt, which is not pretty, but I do it anyway. But well, because you get paint on yourself, it's like it's not going to ruin a pair of pants or a shirt or anything. So no one's there but me. So I'm by the door and I'm painting on this ladder and I see a guy come around the back of my house and no one comes to my main door. Everyone comes to the garage. So I'm, first I look out and I see a guy doing one of the like point, looks like he had a freaking gun pointed at me and what flashed my okay i'm going to die on the ladder he's going to shoot me in the face i'm going to die on the ladder in my freaking underwear half naked but no it's hey holding a gopro <laughs> great so got my little chicken legs and everything else in there but whatever it's fine so the painting's done um i want to talk about uh real quick erhl status i think the erhl may be pushed back again but we'll see with the current state of covid uh uh, Omar's loving the COVID though. The fire pits are rocking outside. So hey, I'm, that's it's happening there. And Hale, thank you for another good commercial. I had an idea. Hale brought it to life. And um, was it was was that your idea or was that Kevin's idea? It was the, my idea, but the the uh, execution, I guess you should. I oh, it was, was fantastic. You great. coming down the, the the stairs? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That, that was that was his idea. I mean, so I just well well done, Kevin. Very very good collaboration. So, um, and I was pretty stoked. Uh, I didn't put anything on social media or anything like that, but Cam got invited to the World Junior. That was kind of cool. Um, so when do we find out? Is that today oh, he, or tomorrow? He's, he's, he got cut. Did he? But yeah. So they offered him like to be like a ninth D, and he said, I'd rather play hockey <laughs> <laughs> college. So he went back to college. So, but what a great experience, and, and uh, yeah. pretty pretty proud of that kid. So, uh, um, And he said he played good. I mean, like I, told, I was telling Coach here, it's like uh, Cam's pretty honest about if he plays shitty. And I said, well, how'd you play? I mean, he's like, oh, I played good. I'm right in there with him. So, um, so yeah, it's great. great yeah, and, and you got to think that there's, you know, you, you go into the, something like that, you kind of know the guys you're probably going to take going in. Yeah, well, my wife says that. Well, they probably already had their top six picked. Well, I hope they do. <laughs> if they're doing their homework, yeah. they should have their top six picked. Yeah. And then if someone surprised them, they yeah. surprise them. But yeah. uh, usually going in, they, they know. So, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. And like I said, we had uh, these guys lined up. Was that middle of November, maybe? 
and then I got COVID like November 10th, 11th. So we had them scheduled. And then of course the COVID kind of, kind of screwed us on that. Uh, but, uh, again, Walt's not here, so he can't do the intro, but hey, oh, can do the intro. If I give him heads up, we didn't really go over the, like, I should have had like a sign, like, hey, oh, you're, well, I can't see me anyway, or can he? He, he? he can see me, right? He can see me? He can behind see me. everything with that screen. Behind. Are we ready? All right. Take it away, Walt. From Austria to Alaska, our next guest has played and coached everywhere in between, USNTDP, USHL, Europe, and the NCAA, where he is currently in the unenviable position of leading our University of Alaska Anchorage Seawolves hockey program through some uncertain times. Handcuffed already by financial uncertainty, then was followed up with a uh, year of COVID, he has continued to steer the ship through rough water with class and composure. Anyone who you talk to about this guy has nothing but good things to say, not just as as a coach, but as a person as well. They say you never have a second chance to make a first impression. And my first impression was when I met him at the Max Center in his first season with UAA. I had six players from our peewee team with me. He shook each of their hands and had a few words with each one. I've been a fan and supporter of his ever since that day. And I'm beyond excited to learn more about his hockey journey. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Dump and Change podcast, Matt Curley. I hope my wife uh, is listening to that intro because that was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. No, it's a it's a pleasure to be here, guys, and I, I can't thank you enough for uh, inviting me to come out. It's a beautiful setup, uh, uh, and certainly happy to be able to spend some time with you guys and, and talk about some hockey here um, the, the next little bit. Yeah. So uh, also here uh, we got assistant coach Nick Walters. How you doing, Nick? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Obviously, uh, growing up in Eagle River, it's fun to be out here with you guys doing this and being part of it. Yeah, Chugiak, Chugiak, grad. When did you graduate, Chugiak? 2006. 2006. Little little bit of trivia. In 2006 at the state tournament, he was the recipient of the uh, Good Sport Team Award. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Little yeah. known fact. Did he, not he know and, that. Him, and, uh, him and, and Joel Kavanaugh yeah, were uh, 2006 winners from Chugiak for the Good Sport Team. Pretty prestigious award. I think it's right above the uh, the first team tournament players, I, I heard. It's above. <laughs> yeah. It, so. it's, it's definitely above. Got to be a dynamic player. Just, be just below the GPA yeah, award. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, like I said, we had um, uh, Coach Curley um, scheduled, and we're so happy to to get you uh, in here and to talk some hockey. And we're going to get to the the um, the meat of it soon. Uh, but before we do that, um, and I kind of do this with every uh, guest we have, uh, I want us to, to learn a little bit more about uh, Coach Curley as far as uh, his hockey journey. Um, so you're originally from uh, Madrid, New York? I am, yeah, Madrid, New York. Or uh, Madrid, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. not to be confused with uh, the, the beautiful town over in Spain. Um, <laughs> but no, Madrid, New York, uh, uh, called the North Country, um, up near where, for any uh, college hockey fan, Clarkson St. Lawrence University. So it's, uh, it's a hockey hotbed, if you will. A lot of great players have come through there. I've gone on to some really good careers and, and whatnot. I'd like to think of myself as one of them has kind of made his career in hockey but it's where I got got my start playing youth hockey uh, up through had the chance to play junior hockey just across the border in Ontario uh, and then really kind of reached the you know I <laughs> I get sentimental but the the pinnacle of my career I guess uh, in playing at Clarkson University which again it, it mentioned was right up the road so for me it was a uh, you know like a kid in Toronto playing for the Leafs it was it was something special 
I was really, uh, really fortunate to, to be there, had a really good career, played a little pro afterwards, but I was a pretty lousy player. So I got in this whole coaching racket and, uh, L- lousy D one player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fortunate, <laughs> very fortunate, uh, division one player and, and, uh, played with some great players and had a, uh, a great way to end it there with some championships and, uh, whatnot, but, um, played a little bit of pro afterwards, tried my hand at that and, um, was uh something i always wanted to do was to get into coaching and and uh you know that was kind of my mindset i knew what my limits were as a player uh i like think i maxed out on my my abilities but i i felt very strongly that i was just starting to tap them as a coach and uh after that i got into my my coaching career well let's go back to the um so like playing growing up where you grew up and playing for Clarkson, it's like a, it's like an Eagle River kid playing for UAA. I mean, it's kind of similar. I mean, you're you're right there. That's who you went to go see as a young boy. Them playing, and uh, and that's that's what we all did with UAA. So it, it's the same type. of Yeah, thing. no, it, and it really was. And and I remember that was a question that was asked to me when I first you know got the opportunity to be up here and, and, and accept this position was uh, about getting Alaska kids here and more Alaska kids to, to stay at home. And I made mention of like, listen, if if there's anyone who understands the value of staying at home and playing for their hometown, it's this guy right here. And, you know, I, I truly meant what I said, cause I, I, I walked that walk and, you know, I was certainly a focus of ours coming up here is try to, you know, instill that pride in community and staying at home to play. And it's not certainly not for everybody. And, but certainly if you have that opportunity, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of value in that, and I certainly uh, had that um, having Clarkson right up the road, and, and again, extremely proud of what I was able to do there and, and have the opportunity to wear that jersey. Well, I mean, you played uh, four years um, for the Golden Knights. Um, I mean, yeah, anyone who makes it to Division One college hockey is done, doing something right. Um, I, I did look up, and I hope, hope to stump you on this, uh, notable alums from, uh, from your college Clarkson there from Clarkson yeah what do you what do you I mean it so, doesn't have to be hockey yeah yeah some notable oh boy um well hockey wise I can give you a few Craig Conroy um obviously a great player and and uh Potsdam boy so he's a North Country kid yeah. uh Eric Cole and Willie Mitchell who were kind of you know him uh, those two guys and and um you know Connie were guys I watched playing but Cole and, and Mitchell both outstanding NHLers uh Cole, Kohler uh, winning a Stanley Cup with Carolina back in 06, I think it was. Um, you know, a few other guys that played, but those are some Todd of Marchand. Todd Marchand from out from Buffalo. Yeah, great player. Dave Taylor yeah. way back in the day. Um, and then some guys I played with made it. They weren't quite as big as those guys. Ken Huskins right before me. So some, some notable guys. Um, I do got, a, 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 I guess, a good one of uh, an alum, so to speak, of guys that went there. Um, Blue o- Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Albert Bouchard. <laughs> yes. Founding <laughs> member and drummer of Blue awesome. Oyster Cult. Yeah, was that, was that on your list? That was on my list. He wasn't oh. number one, though. Yeah. He was oh. number two. Number two on the list. Number two. He was number two on my list. Number, uh, well, we'll go back. Number three was Wes Craven. I thought that was yes, kind of cool. Yes, Wes Craven. So Nightmare on Elm Street, um, that story uh, of uh, with Mr. Kruger um, was based on the basement of a uh, Clarkson uh, um, oh, what was it called? Snell Hall uh, on Elm Street, though, and it was in the basement, old Snell Hall, and that was Shit. he did a year or two there teaching. Yeah, but that's yeah. Uh, apparently as as all uh, stories go, um, that was the urban legend of that's where his character Freddy Krueger was based on. All was, the was up there, yeah. Uh, the, the one, number one on my list, 
and you guys are probably not going to know the name if I just say it, but you'll know the character he played. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Best known for you boys, huge actor, Hollywood, huge actor. Dickie Dunn. Dickie Dunn. Oh, <laughs> reporter in Slapshots, right? That one stood out. I'm like, dude, that is awesome. We all watch Slapshot like 500 times. Oh, of course. Had to throw that in. So you, you played some minor pro. Um, I saw you were on the same team, I think, in Flint Generals in 07, 08 with uh, one Darren McCarty. Yeah, did, did, he was only there like eleven games, so I don't know if you ever ever any interactions I, with him. I, I think I was on my way out when he was coming back in. That was a oh boy, a two two to four two to three week stint up there, maybe a, a month. It was a little longer, um, but yeah, we were crossing paths. I was on my way out, and he was on his way in. That was uh, that was a pretty funny. Uh, um, obviously, I knew who he was, and I'll see you later. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I saw that, and I had to. I had to immediately last night. I, I saw that, and I pulled up uh, and, uh, his 1997 goal where he freaking just undressed Hextall. I can't remember who the D was. Um, it was a Finnish guy. Um, anyway, he was a good D, but he just under this yeah. big, huge fighter guy yeah. undresses both of those guys. I think it, it was game winner, won the series, yeah, maybe four nothing. But culture, yeah. but just yeah. that goal in my head to see a guy like that. Kind of gives a guy like me, oh man, I, maybe I can pull one of those off one of these days. But, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was it was so epic. I actually, they had that same thing in Detroit with like Probert. I mean, those guys were tough as shit, yep. but yep. they could play at the same time, and that was just an awesome. So I never met McCarty. He looks like a freaking character. I mean, he's a metal guy. I'm a metal guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't break. I forgot my metal vest. I put my battle vest today, but uh, so he he plays guitar and stuff. So I, I was hoping you'd sure. have some. Some good no, I wish I, I, I story. Yeah, I wish I did, but it was like I said, it was more of a uh, literally as I was leaving, it, you know, I was kind of bummed out because I remember that goal and it's kind of my heyday of watching. And uh, but no, super nice guy, really nice, and yeah, he's like hey, best of luck, kid. So so you you talked about uh, getting the coaching bug. So when did that start? Was it like did you kind of always know you like in college? Was it junior? Was it even before that, we were talking to Coach Wild last last uh, pod, and and I, I was joking like, when was his first actually team? And he's his first team he coached was in ninth. He was a ninth grader, ninth, yeah, and yeah. he was coaching a youth team. So I don't know if it started that early, but but for you, when was that 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 moment? Like, yeah, I, I, I want to coach. Yeah, boy, oh boy, I want to say it was you know since I was a kid, because um, I'd be lying. I mean, I wanted want to play in the National Hockey League. Yeah, yeah right. you know, of course, right? Like any hockey player. But uh, you, you know what, going up through, it, it was very, very early on. You know, I'm the oldest of six, um, uh, so I, I'm, you know, I got three uh, uh, sisters and, and two brothers. And, and growing up, um, I think when you're the, the oldest child, you kind of take that uh, mentorship kind of directing, mm -hmm. you know, order. Not to say orders, but hey, if we're going to play a, uh, a street hockey game, and I grew up on a 100-acre farm in the middle of nowhere, so I wasn't calling up the neighbors, right? So it's organization. Okay, I'll play with the younger two, and then the middle three play against, you know, make three and three, or whether it's playing kickball, basketball, whatever the, the hell we were doing. But I, I think from there, it really kind of started, okay, like in, enjoyed being in those positions, right? And when I um, – was going up through and still playing. I did a lot of hockey camps and getting involved in, in running different clinics and camps. And, and, and then it started, okay, like feeling comfortable about talking in front of kids and, and, and doing that. And I think really just, 
the the love of teaching and, and really that's what coaching is it, it's being yeah. a teacher right and my um my one sister's a special ed teacher my other brother is a uh, third grade elementary school teacher uh, both of whom coach youth sports and my one of my other sisters uh the head coach at women or uh at clark's university a women's basketball team so for whatever reason we've all kind of drifted towards that profession and uh like I said, for me, it was really early on that I knew as soon as I was done playing, this is something that th this was for me. So did you, uh, you come from a hockey family? Mom and dad play? No, no, not all, at all. All, all the brothers played, I'm sure? Yeah, no, we all played. My, my folks uh, actually, believe it or not, are from uh, New Jersey. My old man's from uh, Belmar, um, you know, right up the road from Asbury Park. Yeah. It is for any uh, music fans out there. And my mom grew up in central Jersey. So when I was about five years old, well, four years old, we moved up to uh, where they still live um, in the in the late 80s um, to uh, the North Country. Uh, saw an ad for cheap land and moved on up there. Ooh. So um, how I got involved, because they didn't have any background. My dad was a baseball player and, and a wrestler and, and football player, kind of like your standard American sports, yeah. I guess. So from the hockey side, I, I'll never forget this. It was on one of those old printers, the the the, the squares that. Oh yeah, yeah, The dot printers. Yeah, the dot, the dot printers. Printer. So I bring home this pamphlet uh, from kindergarten um, for Louisville minor hockey to try it out, and I couldn't tell you what the hell sparked my interest or why I wanted to do it, but I asked my mom if I could do it, and uh, she was, you know, had me who was, you know, like I said, five years old, I think. By that time, there's four of us. She was pregnant with my <laughs> my little brother. You know, she's she's a young kid at the time, 27 years old, 28. Like, all right, you want to do it? So she brought me and my little my sister that's a year younger than me, and we got involved. And um, a, a shout out to my sister Nora, who, <laughs> if it wasn't for her, I don't think we I would have played because apparently after my first outing. I, yeah, the same for me, but, <laughs> but she loved it. And my mother's like, God damn it. If I'm bringing her, you're going. And then that was that. And, and ever since, uh, um, it's how I kind of got involved. So um, kind of a, a very fortuitous and very lucky beginning to it. And uh, I'd like to say that it's paid me, you know, very well since. So did your other, your other brothers, you said you're the oldest. Mm -hmm. So your other brothers, did they go on and play? anywhere no no not really they um played a little junior in high school hockey but i think for them uh you know we were talking a little bit off off the air about liking it versus loving it and yeah. i think for those guys they really like playing i mean huge fans still follow college uh nhl stuff like they're play men's league i mean they're they're all in on it but they liked it a lot where yeah. for me i i need this yeah. and, and this, this is my love and this is my passion i think you know, for me, that's where, why I was able to go on. And, you know, and my sisters, they all played, but at the time, uh, unfortunately the women's game just hadn't really Wasn't grabbed the just whole, starting yeah, to get traction. Yeah, yeah. Just getting traction and really where we were, it was tough, but, uh, they, they switched over to, to basketball, um, and, and played collegiately there. But, uh, in terms of their, um, prowess, I, I think if the same opportunity, a lot of them now, they could have gone on to bigger and better things because they were pretty good players. So uh, Nick, you've you've uh, got some brothers too, so you know all about the, the hockey plan, bro oh. clan. How many brothers you got? Uh, two, 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 That's two. It? and then a sister. God, yeah. I thought you had like I thought there was like four Walters. It's only only two, huh? Only two. Ted, yeah. Ted, Ted, Ted and Jack. Jack. Ted and Jack. That's it. Yeah. Huh. 
So you know about the uh, – so you, you grew up playing Chugak? Yep. When, when did you start playing hockey? I was actually a, a late, late starter. Uh, we moved up here in 1999. My dad was military, and so I actually started playing. I kind of – we got skates, and I taught myself how to skate with my friends out at Al- Glow Ice Rink there. Every day after school, I would walk back to the school, and we'd be playing outdoor hockey. And that first year, it was my sixth grade year, that whole first year I didn't play organized hockey. We were just playing pond hockey every day after school. And then my first year of organized hockey wasn't until I was in seventh grade. So I was a really late starter. Um, not sure starting any earlier would have grade. helped at all. But, um, but yeah, so I was I started pretty late. But And then my brothers who, because um, I got into it, they were into yeah, it as well. It. So yeah. um, And then obviously they they played a lot longer. So. So you're the oldest? I'm the oldest, yeah. You're the Ted, then Jack. Yep, yep, Ted, then Jack. Jack's the youngest, the baby. Yeah, and your sister played hockey too. She right? did play, yep. Yeah. We all played, so yeah. all at the Mac Center, and um, my poor mom probably drove her crazy. A lot of early mornings and weekends at the, the, the rink nonstop, driving up to Fairbanks, Kenai. You know how it goes. That's one of those things you don't really realize until you get to, like, grew up a little bit like what your mom and dad is, <laughs> actually did for you oh yeah the at that time level. you don't see it at all and then you and then you then you go through it like you know we're going through it right now our kids are but and you're just like oh my god yeah it's, it's a lot to it it's not just uh yeah okay it's have, have a good time playing hockey it's a early morning practices and the freaking fundraising and everything else but um so now um but i mean you come to um coach curly you come to to uaa um with some high praise guys like Tony Granato, I'm sorry, not Tony, Don Granato, um, and you, you, US NDTP, USHL, uh, NCAA. So, um, you come with a a pretty good resume. And I think, you know, like we were talking at that time, uh, you know, UA hockey was kind of in a, in a pickle there. And I think, um, Matt Thomas. I mean, I, I thought he was doing a great job. It's just you know he needed some wins under his belt and didn't get them. But I thought from him and to you, uh, I mean, the program was going in the in the right direction anyway. Um, and I'm I'm just so bummed that we're in this in this predicament. But um, what what are some of the? I mean, where are we at with this? I know we're going to talk about SaveTheSeawolves.com. I think we're up to a million bucks there, right? I got on there last night and checked it out. Um, you know, so what, what is the, I guess, what's the plan and what's the, uh, like, and, and especially um, there's two parts, but what's the plan, but like, like long-term, I and mean, we're not going to do this every year, right? We're going to get to a right, spot where right. we, we uh, hopefully can, can uh, perpetuate this thing. Yeah, no, and I think one of the kind of the gorilla in the room, right, is okay, well, we're in this predicament now. What about two years from now? What then? And I know that's one that's been brought up, and, and you know, quite frankly, rightfully so. Um, but we can address that more in a, in a moment. But for the immediate, where we're at is uh, we need help. We need money. Uh, you know, the university is kind of uh, fair or unfair if, if put it out there that they've decided to eliminate us. Um, you know, a lot of cost-saving measures certainly throughout the state and, and uh, at the university level and where, unfortunately, uh, we're an expensive sport. Um, it's no changing that, and, and, and the administration decided that we were one of the ones to, to be let go. So right now, 
We are in the process of fundraising our way. Um, we need uh, $3 million, 1.5 in cash, 1.5 in pledges over the next two years to essentially cover any of our operating costs, uh, uh, whether it's from getting guys sticks to uh, paying for our flights uh, and everything in between. Um, so that's that's our, our kind of where we're immediately at right now. and. Uh, our group, Save Seawolf uh, Save, uh, Hockey, has done an outstanding job led by Kathy Bethard and uh, a countless number of community supporters uh, um, and people I certainly can talk more about, but uh, that are, you know, doing their part to see if we can make this make this happen. And, and then um, if we can get to that uh, benchmark by February 15th, uh, which is our deadline, and when we get to that benchmark, then we'll tackle that next big question, which is, well, now what? And we've been behind the scenes working on a five and 10 year plan to see, okay, this isn't a, a lifeline to be expected to ask folks that are want to help out uh, every year. That's, that's not going to happen. It's going to be, okay, let's make this happen. We need the help now, but let's work uh, for more collaborative effort for a five, 10 year plan for some uh, um, uh, sustainability between uh, us and the university, which is ultimately what we need. Yeah, I mean, I, there's always been that uh, a disconnect with the with the admin at, at UAA for whatever reason. And um, you know, when when you look back, but when you look back and you see guys like Steve Bogievis and uh, uh, Brian Kraft, you know, donating twenty five thousand bucks each, dude, that speaks that speaks volumes for for where. Um, those players that have played here are coming from and believe me we've talked about this in the pod I mean, ua hockey if it really does go away it is hugely detrimental to youth hockey in our area and hockey in in alaska i mean how many guys have stuck around i've played for uaa and uaf guys everyone in this room if you played hockey you played for a uaa alum they've done a great job of sticking around they may marry a local girl whatever you take that away that lifeline that hockey knowledge coming into our community is gone how long do you want to coach, Coach Wild? I mean, you're going to be out there, Coach. I'm going to have to co- – I mean, it's just like – it's Yeah, it's the, back the, to the dad end coaches. is close. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's brutal. But but the ad – I just don't understand. What I don't understand is why would they just – so the WCHA decides they're going to reorganize whatever. That's great. Good for them. But why does why does UAA drop you guys like like now? Like what what's the, what's the point? I mean, I'm talking this season. You guys had this season to maybe – like we talked about before we went on air, to, yeah, and we're improving here. We're going to, you know, get 10 wins or 12 wins or whatever it is and, and, and push it. And we got some good local kids and we got some good good kids coming up. And, and maybe that helps out. But why do they, why do they ax fall? Like, I, what, I, don't, I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and maybe you don't either. I don't, I no, don't know. I, I don't think in, in today's, you know, since March, I don't think any of us do, or, you know, as far as that goes. I think ultimately, what, what the, at least for this year, um, we, we are a uh, casualty of our location, logistically speaking. I know that's a big one. It's a tough, <laughs> it's a hell of a pill to swallow. I, I know with the travel and, and whatnot, I know that kind of slowed things down with the current pandemic. And, um, you know, in full transparency, it, it probably wasn't aided either by, you know, the league situation and them casting us aside and then, us moving from the Sullivan, um, which certainly had some great years for a long time, and 
you know, going back to our smaller on-campus venue. It's a great practice facility. It's a great, it's a great setup. But uh, for to be a Division One program to perform at the level that uh, you know it should be, um, it's just not enough. And so I think a lot of factors externally and in, internally just kind of culminated to lead us to this point where we're currently at. Um, and certainly the pandemic hasn't hasn't helped things. But um, you know. To, to go back to your your uh, point there, Reed, with uh, you know what the loss of this program means for folks like yourself, Coach Wild, and I mean I I've been up here for two and a half years, and I've been so fortunate to meet countless number of alum or guys like yourself that have may not have played here but have been affected by those who yeah. have, and the 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 outreach of this program is 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 monumental it's it can't be understated and what kills me about it and i'm a big usa hockey i do a lot with the usa hockey you know your boy was just involved in part of those processes and it's like well who do they look up to like who's that next alaska kid you know gotten to know jeremy sweeman what a wonderful young man who does he look up to Uh, who does cam mcdonald look up to um and then countless and other of kids of who do they look to as a source of inspiration in terms of progressing their career. Um, Nate Thompson donated. I know he, he made mention of, oh, of awesome. it, you know, and, and he's had a hell of a career. Yeah. Maybe not a college player, but, you know, it's because of those Seawolves and the people that have, have helped them along the way. So that is certainly something that is, is nothing short of a travesty. And, you know, as a USA hockey guy, as a fan of, of, of uh, Alaska hockey and wants to see this thing through, I would hate to see the future and what that is 10, 15, 20 years from now when my little guy's seven years old. What are those seven-year-olds in Eagle River, uh, up through the valley in the Anchorage Bowl, down to the, the Kenai Peninsula? What, where do they end up and, and what's their future look like without Seawolves? Well, and I, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but we've talked about this and I would say... This episode of the Dump and Change podcast brought to you by SaveSeawolfHockey.com. Save Seawolf Hockey is a group of hockey boosters, hockey alumni, and fans dedicated to saving Seawolf Hockey. How can you help? You can donate, pledge, and play 50-50 virtual split the pot at SaveSeawolfHockey.com. Listen, the hockey landscape in Alaska will change forever if we lose college hockey in Anchorage. We've talked about it many times in the pod as hockey players who have all grown up playing hockey in Alaska and watching the Seawolves it's impossible to find a local youth player who hasn't been coached by a UAA alum. Guys like Dennis Sorensen, Pete McEnany, Paul Bronis, Tim Molly, Brian Kraft, Dean Larson, Jim Mays. Ever hear of these guys? I would virtually be here all day if I included everyone as the list just keeps going. These former players have made such an enormous impact on our game and community in so many ways. Brush Christensen started this program grassroots style back in 1979. Don't let it end this way. We urge you to help us save our local college hockey program for future generations. Save And we're back. Welcome to uh, episode 23 of the Dump and Chains podcast. Uh, we're coming to you live from... Uh, Odd Man Rush Studios, deep, deep, deep in Eagle River Valley at the Glines Compound. Um, 
we're stoked. We got a great show for you today. Uh, one that we had to cancel. Um, we'll get to that because uh, I got COVID. It's real, people. I got it. Wasn't as bad. I had minor, minor, minor symptoms, but it did make me uh, very, very tired for a few days. So it was, I was getting, I almost slept into noon one time. It was pretty awesome. But um, so, uh, but we uh, we got him back in the house, so we're, we're stoked. But um, no Walt today. So sitting in for Walt, I usually push it to Walt right now. We got uh, the lovely hot rod coach wild sitting in i hope you enjoyed the wild podcast uh it was great i mean i actually i did two little i I listened to it last night like i was telling coach here i don't listen to myself i don't listen to podcasts all the time because i don't like to hear myself talk but i did uh, listen to that one and i two random stories you told i just like hit my watch and or my stopwatch and counted the f-bombs you dropped (laughs) you want to guess what you were per minute yeah. Uh, per minute. Per minute. Mm. And someone, maybe we can get Hale to do it all, all the way. Seven? You're nine. Nine. Nine per minute. That's admirable. It was pretty good. Yeah. A couple back-to-back. It was impressive. So if we had an F-bomb button, mute button, you would have broke it last okay, time. I'm but gonna we're going to try and keep it, uh, we're going to try and keep it a little, uh, a little more PG today. Uh, so we don't have any Walt. Walt uh, did text me some, uh, are we getting him patched in at all or? Hale, that's I, I, I a that's a, a no. Quick question: So, if, if Walter's not here, does that mean we're not talking about the Fury? We're not talking no. hashtag Fury. No hashtag Fury. No, no, we're, we don't need to talk about that. No. Um, uh, so we we don't have any Walts. We got Coach Wild. So thanks for coming on, Coach. Um, we also have no Ginge. The big Ginge is is uh, down in Tennessee, trying to he's trying to take some tests to. Make some more money his job, work his way up the ladder there at uh, Raven Air. So he is not here. Uh, but we do have executive producer Steve Glines in the house. Glines, the place is looking great, bud. Uh, thanks, Riddle. Yeah, uh, we took a little time off. We had, uh, you know, some travel stuff, Ginge on the road, uh, Walt coming and going, and uh, the holidays, of course. So that gave me a little more time to tweak some stuff in here. We actually, since the Wild Pod, we stripped this place down to bare bones and uh, found another revenue stream for the for the pod and uh, we hosted a wedding in here my brother-in-law Aaron's brother so I'm not going to say how many were in attendance but this was pre-AO16 for those that are not from the Anchorage area <laughs> there's some more severe mandates out here so uh, yeah we had a, a beautiful beautiful wedding I was the officiant and uh, it, it went really well so um, back we're back with the pod we got a great setup here we got uh, engineer Kevin Hale we'll introduce him in a minute uh, his screens just get bigger and bigger as we go i mean and now we got lights and a whole nine yards so and i got something we introduced on the last pod the the mic switch for steve the mute button on Yeah, you're off, but we oh, see, get... I'm off. It works. It would work. <laughs> so I'm scouring the uh, I'm scouring the engineer universe to find another switch that uh, takes my. Uh, you've noticed. Yep. So it, uh, there's the um guy, the um I uh, um, and then there's the you know like uh, you know I went down to the store you know I bought you know, well I'm the a guy apparently so I've I've gone back I just did it right there God damn it nervous tick anyway so uh, but back here at the uh, the kids table looking forward to a great pod we got some great guests uh, missing the boys uh, Ginge and Walt uh, happy to have uh, Coach Wild here and uh, I'm gonna throw it back to the uh, the big kids table all right well I'm gonna throw it right back to we got uh, studio engineer uh, Kevin uh, is the screen thing kind of like the guys with the big trucks 
big truck, small wiener, or is that? No comment at this time. No, okay. no comment. No comment. Uh, Heyo doing a bang up job, as you can see. He's got more toys, and I think he just puts screens up there to make himself look cool. But uh, but thanks, uh, Heyo. You looking good? Anything else you want to say there, Heyo? Before you no, get started? I'm, just, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited uh, to see uh, see how this goes. Okay, I got, I got a couple things before we start here. Um, we uh, we talked about your f bombs already. Um, you said to go back and do some homework on the last pod, which I did. I believe the uh, goalie you're looking Peter for, Peter Bartline. Peter Bartline. Yes. Backup was Murphy, Murphy Quinn. Quinn. Murphy Quinn. Murphy came Murphy, and solved Murphy, that one. Murphy the Q. Then I had to go to the double D to find out who the goalie was who put the puck uh, in there on that. And nothing against Shugak Hockey. You guys have had some back in those days. You never had that one goalie that was just awesome. Like, I'm talking back in the '80s, not later but the 80s uh you said it was kp kenny pew, pew. kenny pew yep kenny pew yeah uh but uh yeah uh, yeah guys story. like what, what are some other goalies from that era uh, leper he was he was that kind of era right yeah brad leper uh kevin frisk Ooh. was that another one yeah yeah so um yeah anyway problem solved there yeah i got it i got, Peter I got that one and i i remembered it like as i'm driving away that night yeah, well, that's how it always happens. So I, I had to call Double D, so Double D, thank you, buddy. Um, since Walt's not here, I do have a, a shout-out to a friend of the pod, as uh, Walt likes to call him, uh, a guy by the name of Matt Best, kid by the name of Matt Best. He is 40 years old. He's probably a, he's probably a grown man now. Yeah, Matt's kid. not a kid um, anymore. <laughs> and, so anyway, Matt, Matt uh, texted me, and he listened to your pod, and uh, he said he was working. He's a construction guy. He's working. He said brought him to tears. He just uh, – about the whole, you know um, – because he was around uh, the skills clinic mm -hmm. and just that whole thing, just like all nostalgia came back to him. And, and so uh, that's kind of what we had talked about at one point we wanted the pod to be is kind of like for the guys who have played local guys that, you know, and kind of get that nerve. So anyway, good job. You guys hitting the nerve. Cause uh, Matt was like, I, I can't believe, cause I can't believe I just found out about it right now. So he's been going to the backlog and oh, good for him. All out. That's so awesome. It's pretty awesome. Uh, me and myself, I did one on another Costco run Friday night. The wife, uh, maybe the Costco run. We all know how that last one worked out. It actually worked out pretty good. I know, sorry, Gab, just walked in here. But uh, my wife loves when I talk about this on the air. But uh, I, I did uh, go to um, Costco on Friday night, help her get all the milk. And, the, and the reward was the reward was should uh, have been? Actually, yeah, Saturday morning. The reward was nice. uh, paid up in full. So we're nothing, nothing uh, I have no, no complaints there. Uh, and as you, we text a lot. And uh, a lot of times we monologue a lot, so record ourselves talking and send it to other guys. It's stupid, I know, but it's what we do. Um, and so mine, my wife has, has painted this wall. It's called an accent wall. Like the whole, whole living room is one color, the accent wall is oh, yeah, color. Yeah. So I painted the whole living room just a shade darker than it was. Uh, live, uh, kitchen, same blue, different blue, but just a little darker. She put up to, what, 15, 20 splotches of paint little tiny guys you buy at Lowe's. No, 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 no. She asked me, what do you think? I'm like, I, I like the green. I hate the green. Okay, then again, why did you ask me? I just said, said whatever. So she ends up picking, I'm not, I'm not shooting you when I say this, she ends up picking the same color, just a shade darker, but it's so much warmer. But as a guy who's been married for 20 some years, what do you say? Oh, honey, that looks great. It's, it is so much warmer. I mean, it's... I don't check the thermostat here, but it's it's warm. So, anyway, and I did that. But I do want to go back to the time uh, 
Glines and Hale were drinking down here and they came to my house and I was painting. And I like to paint in my underwear because, and you, sometimes a shirt, sometimes no shirt, which is not pretty, but I do it anyway. But, well, because you get paint on yourself, it's like it's not going to ruin a pair of pants or a shirt or anything, so no one's there but me. So I'm by the door and I'm painting on this ladder and I see a guy come around the back of my house and no one comes to my main door. Everyone comes to the garage. So I'm, first I look out and I see a guy doing one of the, like, point, looks like he had a freaking gun pointed at me. And what flashed me, I'm going to die on the ladder. He's going to shoot me in the face. I'm going to die on the ladder in my freaking underwear half naked. But no, it's Hale holding a GoPro. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Great. So got my little chicken legs and everything else in there, but whatever. It's fine. So the painting's done. Um, I want to talk about, uh, real quick, ERHL status. I think the ERHL may be pushed back again, but we'll see with the current state of COVID. Uh, uh, Omar's loving the COVID, though. The fire pits are rocking outside. So Hey, I'm, that's, it's happening there. And Hale, thank you for another good commercial. I had an idea. Hale brought it to life. And, um, was, it, was, was that your idea or was that Kevin's idea? It was the, my idea, but the, the uh, execution, I guess you should I Oh, it was, it was fantastic. You great. coming down the, the, the stairs? Yeah. Oh, that, that was that was his idea. I mean, so I just well, well, well done, Kevin. Very very good collaboration. So, um, and I was pretty stoked. Uh, I didn't put anything on social media or anything like that. But Cam got invited to the World Junior. That was kind of cool. Um, so when do we find out? Is that today oh, he, or tomorrow? He's, he's he got cut. Did he? But yeah. So they offered him like to be like a ninth D, and he said, "I'd rather play hockey." <laughs> <laughs> college. So he went back to college. So. But what a great experience, and, and uh, yeah, and pretty pretty proud of that kid. So, uh, um, and he said he played good. I mean, like I told, I was telling coach here, it's like uh, Cam's pretty honest about if he plays shitty. And I said, well, how'd you play? I mean, he's like, oh, I played good. I'm right in there with him. So, um, so yeah, it's great. great yeah, and you got to think that there's, you know, you, you go into the, something like that, you kind of know the guys you're probably going to take going in. Yeah, well, my wife says that. Well, they probably already had their top six picked. Well, I hope they do. <laughs> They're doing their homework. Yeah. They should have their top six picked. Yeah. And then if someone surprised them, they yeah. surprise them. But yeah. uh, usually going in, they, they know. So uh, so anyway, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. And like I said, we had uh, these guys lined up. Was that middle of November maybe? And then I got COVID like November 10th, 11th. So we had them scheduled. And then, of course, the COVID kind of screwed us on that. Uh, but, uh, again, Walt's not here, so he can't do the intro, but Heyo can do the intro if I give him heads up. We didn't really go over the, like, I should have had, like, a sign, like, Heyo, you're, well, I can't see me anyway, or can he? He can, he can see me, right? He can see me? He can behind. see everything with that screen. He's behind. Are we ready? All right. Take it away, Walt. From Austria to Alaska, our next guest has played and coached everywhere in between, USNTDP, USHL, Europe, and the NCAA, where he is currently in the unenviable position of leading our University of Alaska Anchorage Seawolves hockey program through some uncertain times. Handcuffed already by financial uncertainty, then was followed up with a uh, year of COVID, he has continued to steer the ship through rough water with class and composure. Anyone who you talk to about this guy has nothing but good things to say, not just as as a coach but as a person as well they say you never have a second chance to make a first impression and my first impression was when i met him at the max center in his first season with uaa i had six players from our peewee team with me he shook each of their hands and had a few words with each one i've been a fan and supporter of his ever since that day and i'm beyond excited to learn more about his hockey journey ladies and gentlemen please welcome to the dump and change podcast 
Matt Curley. I hope my wife uh, is listening to that intro because that was fantastic. <laughs> thank you. No, it's a it's a pleasure to be here, guys, and I, I can't thank you enough for uh, inviting me to come out. It's a beautiful setup, uh, uh, and certainly happy to be able to spend some time with you guys and, and talk about some hockey here um, the, the next little bit. Yeah. So uh, also here uh, we got assistant coach Nick Walters. How you doing, Nick? Good. Good. Thanks for having me. Obviously, uh, growing up in Eagle River, it's fun to be out here with you guys doing this and being part of it. Yeah, Chugiak, Chugiak grad. When did you graduate Chugiak? 2006. 2006. A little, little bit of trivia. In 2006 at the state tournament, he was the recipient of the uh, Good Sport Team Award. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Little yeah. known fact. He, Did not he know and, that. Him, and, uh, him and, and Joel Kavanaugh yeah, were uh, 2006 winners from Chugiak for the Good Sport Team. Pretty prestigious award. I think it's right above the uh, the first team tournament players, I, I heard. It's above. <laughs> yeah. It, so. it's, it's definitely above. Got to be a dynamic player. Just be just below the GPA yeah, award. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, like I said, we had um, uh, Coach Curley um, scheduled, and we're so happy to to get you uh, in here and to talk some hockey. And we're going to get to the the um, the meat of it soon. Uh, but before we do that, um, and I kind of do this with every uh, guest we have, uh, I want us to, to learn a little bit more about uh, Coach Curley as far as uh, his hockey journey. Um, so you're originally from uh, Madrid, New York. I am, yeah, Madrid, New York. Or uh, Madrid, yeah, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Not to be confused with uh, the, the beautiful town over in Spain. Um, <laughs> but no, Madrid, New York, uh, uh, called the North Country. Um, up near where, for any uh, college hockey fan, Clarkson St. Lawrence University. So it's a uh, it's a hockey hotbed, if you will. A lot of great players have come through there. I've gone on to some really good careers and and whatnot. I'd like to think of myself as one of them has kind of made his career in hockey but it's where I got got my start playing youth hockey uh, up through had the chance to play junior hockey just across the border in Ontario uh, and then really kind of reached the you know I <laughs> I get sentimental but the the pinnacle of my career I guess uh, in playing at Clarkson University which again it, it mentioned it was right up the road so for me it was a uh, you know like a kid in Toronto playing for the Leafs it was it was something special I was really, uh, really fortunate to, to be there, had a really good career, played a little pro afterwards, but I was a pretty lousy player, so I got in this whole coaching racket. and uh, L- Lousy D1 player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fortunate, <laughs> very fortunate uh, Division One player and, and uh, played with some great players and had a, uh, a great way to end it there with some championships and uh, whatnot, but um, played a little bit of pro afterwards, tried my hand at that, and um, was uh, something I always wanted to do was to get into coaching. And, and, uh, you know, that was kind of my mindset. I knew what my limits were as a player. Uh, I'd like to think I maxed out on my my abilities, but I I felt very strongly that I was just starting to tap them as a coach. And uh, after that, I got into my my coaching career. Well, let's go back to the – so, like, playing growing up – where you grew up and playing for Clarkson, it's like a, it's like an Eagle River kid playing for UAA. I mean, it's kind of similar. I mean, you're you're right there. That's who you went to go see as a young boy, them playing, and uh, and that's that's what we all did with UAA. So it, it's the same type. of Yeah, thing. no, it, and it really was. And and I remember that was a question that was asked me when I first you know got the opportunity to be up here and and, and accept this position was uh, about getting Alaska kids here and more Alaska kids to, to stay at home. And I made mention of like, listen, if if there's anyone who understands the value of staying at home and playing for their hometown, it's this guy right here. And, 
you know, I, I truly meant what I said because I, I, I walked that walk. And, you know, I was certainly a focus of ours coming up here is try to, you know, instill that pride in community and staying at home to play. And it's not certainly not for everybody. And but certainly if you have that opportunity, uh, I think there's there's a lot of value in that. And I certainly uh, had that um, having Clarkson right up the road. And, and again, extremely proud of what I was able to do there and, and have the opportunity to wear that jersey. Well, I mean, you played uh, four years um, for the Golden Knights. Um, I mean, yeah, anyone who makes it to Division One college hockey is done, done something right. Um, I, I did look up, and I hope, hope to stump you on this, uh, notable alums from, uh, from your college, Clarkston there. From Clarkston? Yeah, what do you, what do you I mean, it so, doesn't have to be hockey. Yeah, yeah, some notable, oh, boy. Um, well, hockey-wise, I can give you a few. Craig Conroy, um, obviously a great player, and, and – uh, Potsdam boy, so he's a North Country kid. Yeah. Uh, Eric Cole and Willie Mitchell, who were kind of, you know, him, uh, those two guys, and, and um, you know, Connie were guys I watched playing, but Cole and, and Mitchell, both outstanding NHLers. Uh, Cole, Kohler uh, winning a Stanley Cup with Carolina back in 06, I think it was. Um, you know, a few other guys that played, but those were some Todd the, Marchand. Todd Marchand from out from Buffalo. Yeah, great player. Dave Taylor, yeah. way back in the day. Um, and then some guys I played with made it. They weren't quite as big as those guys. Ken Huskins right before me. So some some notable guys. Um, I do got a, a, a I guess a good one of uh, an alum so to speak of guys that went there. Um, Blue o Blue Oyster Cult. Um, Albert Bouchard, <laughs> yes, founding <laughs> member and drummer That's of Blue awesome. Oyster Cult. Yeah, was that was that on your list? That was on my list. He wasn't oh, number one though. Yeah. He was oh. number two. Number two on the list. Number two. He was number two on my list. Number. Uh, well, we'll go back. Number three was Wes Craven. I thought that was yes, kind of cool. Yes, Wes Craven. So Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, that story uh, of uh, with Mr. Kruger um, was based on the basement of a uh, Clarkson. Uh, um, Oh, what was it called? Snell Hall uh, on Elm Street, though. And it was in the basement old Snell Hall. And that oh, was shit. he did a year or two there teaching. Yeah. But that's yeah. apparently as as all uh, stories go, um, that was the urban legend of that's where his character, Freddy Krueger, was based on. All was, the was up there. Yeah. Uh, the, the one, number one on my list. And you guys are probably not going to know the name if I just say it, but you'll know the character he played. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh. Best known for you boys. Huge actor, Hollywood, huge actor. Dickie Dunn. Dickie Dunn. Oh, <laughs> reporter in Slap Shots, right? That one stood out. I'm like, dude, that is awesome. awesome. We all watch Slap Shot like 500 times. Oh, so I had of course. To, like, throw that in. So you, you played some minor pro. Um, I saw you were on the same team, I think, in Flint Generals in 07, 08 with uh, one Darren McCarty. Yeah, did, did, he was only there like eleven games, so I don't know if you ever ever any interactions I, with him. I, I think I was on my way out when he was coming back in. That was a oh boy, a two two to four two to three week stint up there, maybe a, a month. It was a little longer, um, but yeah, we were crossing paths. I was on my way out, and he was on his way in. That was uh, that was a pretty funny. Uh, um, obviously, I knew who he was, and I'll see you later. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw that, and I had to. I had to immediately last night. I, I saw that, and I pulled up uh, and, uh, his 1997 goal where he freaking just undressed Hextall. I can't remember who the D was. Um, it was a Finnish guy. Um, anyway, he was a good D, but he just under this yeah. big, huge fighter guy yeah. undresses both of those guys. I think it was game winner, won the series, yeah, they won was, four nothing. Clincher, but yeah. but just yeah. that goal in my head to see a guy like that. 
it kind of gives a guy like me, oh man, I, maybe I can pull one of those off one of these days. But, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it was it was so epic. I actually, they had that same thing in Detroit with like Probert. I mean, those guys were tough as shit, yep. but yep. they could play at the same time, and that was just an awesome. So I never met McCarty. He looks like a freaking character. I mean, he's a metal guy. I'm a metal guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't break. I forgot my metal vest. I put my battle vest today, but uh, so he he plays guitar and stuff. So I, I was hoping you'd sure. have some some good. No, I wish I, I McCarty story. Yeah, I wish I did, but it was like I said, it was more of a. Uh, literally, as I was leaving, I, you know, I was kind of bummed out because I remember that goal, and it's kind of my heyday of watching. And uh, but no, super nice guy, really nice, and yeah. he's like, hey, best of luck, kid. So, so you you talked about uh, getting the coaching bug. So when did that start? Was it like, did you kind of always know you like in college? Was it junior? Was it even before that? We were talking to Coach Wild last last. Uh, pod and and I, I was joking like when it was his first actually team and he's his first team he coached was a ninth he was a ninth grader ninth grade, yeah, and yeah. he was coaching a youth team so I don't know if it started that early but but for you when was that 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 moment like yeah I, I, I want to coach yeah boy oh boy I want to say it was you know since I was a kid um because I'd be lying I mean I want want to play the National Hockey League yeah, yeah, right, you know, yeah. of course right like any hockey player but uh you, you know what going up through it, it was very very early on you know, I'm the oldest of six, um, uh, so I, I'm, you know, I got three uh, uh, sisters and, and two brothers, and, and growing up, um, I think when you're the, the oldest child, you kind of take that uh, mentorship kind of directing, mm-hmm. you know, order, not to say orders, but hey, if we're going to play a, uh, a street hockey game, and I grew up on a 100-acre farm in the middle of nowhere, so I wasn't calling up the neighbors, right? So it's organization, okay? I'll play with the younger two and then the middle three, play against, you know, make three and three or whether it's playing kickball, basketball, whatever the, the hell we were doing. But I, I think from there, it really kind of started, okay, like in, enjoyed being in those positions, right? And when I um, was going up through and still playing, I did a lot of hockey camps and getting involved in, in running different clinics and camps. And, and then it started, okay, like feeling comfortable about talking in front of kids and, and, and doing that. And I think really just the the love of teaching and, and really that's what coaching is. It, it's being yeah. a teacher, right? And my um, my one sister's a special ed teacher. My other brother is a uh, third grade elementary school teacher, uh, both of whom coach youth sports. And my one of my other sisters is uh, the head coach at women or uh, at Clark's University, a women's basketball team. So for whatever reason, we've all kind of drifted towards that profession and. Uh, like I said, for me, it was really early on that I knew as soon as I was done playing, this is something that th- this was for me. So did you, uh, you come from a hockey family? Mom and dad play? No, no, not all, at all. All, all the brothers played, I'm sure? Yeah, no, we all played. My, my folks uh, actually, believe it or not, are from uh, New Jersey. My old man's from uh, Belmar, um, you know, right up the road from Asbury Park. Yeah. Is for any uh, music fans out there. And my mom grew up in central Jersey. So when I was about five years old, well, four years old, we moved up to uh, where they still live um, in the in the late 80s um, to uh, the North Country. Uh, saw an ad for cheap land and moved on up there. Ooh. So um, how I got involved, because they didn't have any background. My dad was a baseball player and, and a wrestler and, and football player, kind of like your standard American sports, yeah. I guess. So from the hockey side, 
I, I'll never forget this. It was on one of those old printers, the the the, the squares that. Oh yeah, yeah, The dot printers. Yeah, the dot printers. So I bring home this pamphlet from kindergarten for Louisville minor hockey to try it out, and I couldn't tell you what the hell sparked my interest or why I wanted to do it, but I asked my mom if I could do it, and she was, you know, had me who was, you know, like I said, five years old, I think. By that time, there's four of us. She was pregnant with my <laughs> my little brother. You know, she's she's a young kid at the time, 27 years old, 28. Like, all right, you want to do it? So she brought me and my little si- my uh, sister that's a year younger than me, and we got involved. And um, a, a shout out to my sister Nora, who, <laughs> if it wasn't for her, I don't think we I would have played because apparently after my first outing, I. Yeah, I was saying for me, but <laughs> she loved it. And my mother's like, God damn it. If I'm bringing her, you're going. And then that was that. And, and ever since, uh, um, it's how I kind of got involved. So I'm um, kind of a, a very fortuitous and very lucky beginning to it. And uh, I'd like to say that it's paid me, you know, very well since. So did your other, your other brothers, you said you're the oldest. Mm-hmm. So your other brothers, did they go on and play? anywhere no no not really they um played a little junior in high school hockey but i think for them uh you know we were talking a little bit off off the air about liking it versus loving it and i think for those guys they really like playing i mean huge fans still follow college uh nhl stuff like they're play men's league i mean they're they're all in on it but they liked it a lot where yeah. for me, I, I need this yeah. and, and this, this is my love and this is my passion. I think, you know, for me, that's where, why I was able to go on and, you know, and my sisters, they all played, but at the time, uh, unfortunately the women's game just hadn't really Wasn't grabbed the just whole, starting yeah, to get traction. Yeah, yeah. Just getting traction and, and really where we were, it was tough, but, uh, they, what they switched over to, to basketball, um, and, and played collegiately there. But, uh, in terms of their um, prowess, I, I think if the same opportunity a lot of them now, they could have gone on to bigger and better things because they were pretty good players. So, uh, Nick, you've, you've uh, got some brothers too, so you know all about the hockey playing bro clan. How many brothers you got? Uh, two. Two, two. That's two. It? and then a sister. God. Yeah. I thought you had like, I thought there was like four Walters. It's only, only two, huh? Only two. Ted, yeah. Ted, Ted, Ted and Jack. Jack. Ted and Jack, that's it. Yeah. Huh. So, you know about the, uh, so you, you grew up playing Chugak? Yep. When, when did you start playing hockey? I was actually a, a late, late starter. Uh, we moved up here in 1999. My dad was military. And so I actually started playing. I kind of, we got skates and I taught myself how to skate with my friends out at Al- Alpenglow Ice Rink there. Every day after school, I would walk back to the school and we'd be playing outdoor hockey. And that first year, it was my sixth grade year. Was, that whole first year, I didn't play organized hockey. We were just playing pond hockey every day after school and then my first year of organized hockey wasn't until I was in seventh grade so I was a really late starter um not sure starting any oh, yeah, earlier would have grade. helped at all but um but yeah so I was I started pretty late but and then my brothers who um because I got into it they were into yeah, it as well it. so yeah. um and then obviously they they played a lot longer so so you're the oldest I'm the oldest yeah you're the Ted then Jack yep yep Ted then Jack Jack's the youngest the baby yeah and your sister played hockey too she right? did play yep, yeah we all played so yeah. all at the max center and um my poor mom probably drove her crazy a lot of early mornings and weekends at the 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 rink non-stop 
driving up to Fairbanks, Kenai, you know how it goes. That's one of those things you don't really realize until you get to like grew up a little bit, like what your mom and dad actually did for you. Oh yeah. At that time you don't see it at all. And then you, and then you, then you go through it like, you know, we're going through it right now. Our kids are, but you're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's it's a lot to it. It's not just, uh, yeah, kids have have a good time playing hockey. It's early morning practices and the freaking fundraising and everything else. But, um, so now, um, but I mean, you come to, um, coach Curley, you come to, to UAA, um, with some high praise, like guys like Tony Granado, or I'm sorry, not Tony, Don Granado, um, and you, you, US NDTP, USHL, uh, NCAA. So um, you come with a, a pretty good resume. And I think, you know, like we were talking at that time, uh, you know, UA hockey was kind of in a, in a pickle there. And I think, um, Matt Thomas, I mean, I, I thought he was doing a great job. It's just, you know, he needed some wins under his belt and didn't get them. But I thought from him and to you, uh, and the program was going in the in the right direction anyway. Um, and I'm, I'm just so bummed that we're in this in this predicament. But um, what, what are some of the, I mean, where are we at with this? I know we're going to talk about SaveTheSeawolves.com. I think we're up to a million bucks there, right? I got on there last night and checked it out. Um, you know, so what, what is the, I guess, what's the plan and what's the, uh, like, and, and especially um, there's two parts, but what's the plan, but like, like long-term, I and mean, we're not going to do this every year, right? We're going to get to a right, spot where right. we, we uh, hopefully can, can uh, perpetuate this thing. Yeah, no, and I, I think one of the kind of the gorilla in the room, right, is okay, well, we're in this predicament now. What about two years from now? What then? And I know that's one that's been brought up, and and you know, quite frankly, rightfully so. Um, but we can address that more in a, in a moment. But for the immediate, where we're at is uh, we need help. We need money. Uh, you know, the university is kind of uh, fair or unfair if if put it out there that they've decided to eliminate us. Um, you know, a lot of cost saving measures certainly throughout the state and and. Uh, at the university level and we're unfortunately uh we're an expensive sport um it's no changing that and 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 the administration decided that we were one of the ones to to be let go so right now we are in the process of fundraising our way um we need uh, three million dollars 1.5 in cash 1.5 in pledges over the next two years to essentially cover any of our operating costs uh uh, whether it's from getting guys sticks to uh, paying for our flights uh, and everything in between. Um, so that's that's our, our kind of where we're immediately at right now. And uh, our group, Save, uh, Save uh, Seawolf Hockey, has done an outstanding job led by Kathy Bethard and uh, a countless number of community supporters uh, um, and people I certainly can talk more about, but uh, that are, you know, doing their part to see if we can make this make this happen. And, and then um, if we can get to that uh, benchmark by February 15th, uh, which is our deadline, and when we get to that benchmark, then we'll tackle that next big question, which is, well, now what? And we've been behind the scenes working on a five and 10 year plan to see, okay, this isn't a, a lifeline to be expected to ask folks that are want to help out uh, every year that's that's not going to happen it's going to be okay let's make this happen we need the help now but let's work uh, for more collaborative effort for a five ten year plan for some uh, um, 
sustainability between uh, us and the university, which is ultimately what we need. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's always been that uh, a disconnect with the with the admin at, at UAA for whatever reason, and um, you know when when you look back, but when you look back and you see guys like Steve Bogiavis and uh, uh, Brian Kraft, you know, donating twenty five thousand bucks each, dude, that speaks that speaks volumes for for where um, those players that have played here are coming from. And believe me, we've talked about this in the pod. Yeah, I mean, UA hockey, if it really does go away, it is hugely detrimental to youth hockey in our area and hockey in, in Alaska. I mean, how many guys have stuck around? I've played for UAA and UAF guys. Everyone in this room, if you played hockey, you played for a UAA alum. They've done a great job of sticking around. They may marry a local girl, whatever. You take that away, that lifeline, that hockey knowledge coming into our community is gone. How, how long do you want to coach, Coach Wild? I mean, you're going to be out there, Coach. I'm going to have to co- – I mean, it's just like – it's Yeah, it's the, back the, to the dad end coaches. is close. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's brutal. But, but the ad – I just don't understand. What I don't understand is why would they just – so the WCHA decides they're going to reorganize whatever. That's great. Good for them. But why does, why does UAA drop you guys like, like now? Like what, what's the, what's the point? I mean, I'm talking this season, you guys had this season to maybe like we talked about before we went on air to, yeah, we're improving here. We're going to, you know, get 10 wins or 12 wins or whatever it is and, and, and push it. And we got some good local kids and we got some good, good kids coming up. And, and maybe that helps out. But why do they? Why do they axe fall? Like, I, what I don't. I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I, and maybe you don't either. I don't, I no, don't know. I, I don't think in in today's you know since March, I don't think any of us do. Or you know, as far as that goes, I think ultimately what would the at least for this year, um, we we are a uh, casualty of our location, logistically speaking. I know that's a big one. It's a it's a hell of a pill to swallow I know with the travel and and whatnot I know that kind of slowed things down with the current pandemic and um you know in full transparency it it probably wasn't aided either by you know the league situation and them casting us aside and then us moving from the Sullivan um which certainly had some great years for a long time and you know, going back to our smaller on-campus venue, it's a great practice facility. It's a great, it's a great setup. But uh, for it to be a Division One program to perform at the level that uh, you know it should be, um, it's just not enough. And so I think a lot of factors externally and in, internally just kind of culminated to lead us to this point where we're currently at. Um, and certainly the pandemic hasn't hasn't helped things. But um, you know. To, to go back to your your uh, point there, Reed, with uh, you know what the loss of this program means for folks like yourself, Coach Wild, and I mean I I've been up here for two and a half years, and I've been so fortunate to meet countless number of alum or guys like yourself that have may not have played here, but have been affected by those who yeah. have, and the 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 outreach of this program is 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 monumental it's it can't be understated and what kills me about it and i'm a big usa hockey i do a lot with the usa hockey you know your boy was just involved in part of those processes and it's like well who do they look up to like who's that next alaska kid you know gotten to know jeremy swayman what a wonderful young man who does he look up to Uh, who does cam mcdonald look up to um and then countless other kids of who do they look to as a source of 
inspiration in terms of progressing their career. Um, Nate Thompson donated. I know he, he made mention of, oh, of awesome. it, you know, and, and he's had a hell of a career. Yeah. Maybe not a college player, but, you know, it's because of those Seawolves and the people that have, have helped them along the way. So that is certainly something that is, is nothing short of a travesty. And, you know, as a USA hockey guy, as a fan of, of, of uh, Alaska hockey and wants to see this thing through, I would hate to see the future and what that is 10, 15, 20 years from now when my little guy's seven years old. What are those seven-year-olds in Eagle River, uh, up through the valley in the Anchorage Bowl, down to the, the Kenai Peninsula? What, where do they end up and, and what's their future look like without Seawolves? Well, and I, I don't know if you've listened to any of our podcasts, but we've talked about this. And I would say it's safe to say everyone, every hockey player we've had on here brings up the Seawolves. I mean, Scotty Gomez. I mean, we, we all, as you should, we, that was the, that was the, where you went to get inspiration. You looked up to all these guys and, and to have that be gone, it's just a tough, uh, tough pill to swallow. But, um, with the admin side of it, I mean, when they built that rink or the, sorry, sorry, that's a major faux pas. They didn't build the rink. Uh, they built that beautiful uh, facility and nothing against the other sports they built it for, but I mean, come on. I mean, and I know people agree to disagree with me, but they're like, oh, that, that, that should be a rink. I said, it, it should be a rink, but it should only be a rink. Like, what other D1 uh, college program that's worth a shit shares their ice with D2 volleyball and basketball? Zero. If you guys want to get off a bus and, or the plane and come home and bag skate someone, you're doing it. I mean, it's your ice whenever you want it. Your gear is there. Everything is there. You're not pull, you know, pulling it over to the Sullivan Arena. Um, so that, when that happened, that was like, like, holy shit. I mean, really? Uh, I, I could not believe that. I know. And, and, and maybe, uh, maybe there's some hope here cause I'm hoping we can get, um, uh, get through this. So, uh, what, what's the website? I'm going to throw the website out there. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Save Seawolf hockey.com. Uh, uh, all one word, uh, lowercase, all just all one word, safe, seawolfhockey.com. There is uh, a wagon of information from texting into donating uh, to online submissions to raffles, silent auctions that are, we'll be having. A uh, ton of information out there for you to get involved, donate, help out any way you can. Uh, safe, seawolfhockey.com is where you can get all that information. Yeah, and I was, I was on there last night. I got my 50 50 tickets, so. Hopefully we're a big winner here, but uh, I, I, that's gonna be me. I've, that's gonna be me. I, I, well, I've, I've never you're, you're won anything, that, so, so hopefully so, yeah. one of these days uh, I'll, I'll get my my glory in the sun. But um, so yeah, I I, I can't um, I can't say enough about the fact that um, people don't maybe don't realize that the effect really the effect of on youth hockey, uh, which gets me to another another, and we've talked about this in the pod too. What are is there any interest from anyone and i'm surprised it hasn't happened already but why don't we have hockey on the west coast of like california washington oregon i mean if we i mean they all have club teams right they all have club teams that are good someone told me arizona is trying to get uh, another college team but why isn't ucla university of southern california um san diego state university washington university of oregon why can't we have a a west coast league and you throw uaa uaf on there we're talking it's it's a you're right there it's not like you're coming yeah. from you know you know uh houghton michigan for example <laughs> which is tough to get to but is there any been any talk of that is anyone like 
any yeah any type of yeah there it's it's funny um and that's a the million dollar question is why has it and and wally and i were actually talking about this the other day um since the programs of of the seawolves and the nanooks started about 40 years ago each um in in terms of like what new teams out west west of that mississippi river like traditional west rocky mountains west have started well air force has been around forever certainly cc and denver have been around uh north or north dakota excuse me if you want to throw them in that west and they've been around of course for ages well who else has formed arizona state and that's it yeah that's in it. 40 yeah. years yeah. Out, outside of our pro- two programs up here and why that is I don't know. Um, I think it's coming. I, I hear rumors all the time of those big schools. Um, as you had mentioned, I, I've heard ones like Northern Arizona, uh, Eastern Washington, UNLV, yeah. uh, you know, Utah Valley, I heard the other day, is having a lot of interest. And I, and I think it's coming. I do believe that with the Vegas Golden Knights, certainly the influx of uh popularity and success for the california teams in the national hockey league seattle getting an nhl franchise i do believe wholeheartedly it's coming um i think it's just a matter of what school is willing to take that plunge And, and and one thing i would throw out there perhaps is you know it may be not the uh the uclas or the uh oregons of the world that may be first to do it i think our sport and the uniqueness of our sport in the college game in particular is the what it can do for a university on a smaller level. So Michigan Tech, Michigan Tech Clarkson yeah. University, yeah. Uh, you know, these are smaller schools that use hockey as a, a vehicle to promote their universities, their institutions, Providence, uh, you know, uh, even Denver and North Dakota, like, they don't have football or basketball, I guess is what I'm getting at. So what are those schools out west that maybe are looking to put themselves on the map, athletically speaking, that uh, may be not be able to compete in the basketball and football world? Well, hockey. I mean, that, that would be the next realm. And um, whether that's true or not, it's kind of my own little opinion and, and, and hope, that's if you point. will. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? Um, if that happens, uh, it's a great fit for not only us, but for Fairbanks or, as well, which is vitally important to the state. But uh, I, I'm just hoping we can hang on long enough for that kind of next domino to fall exactly. so we can we can start that, a true Western Collegiate right. Athletic uh, Conference. Right, and we talked about this before uh, we started recording, but um you know if you'd have told me in um we've been 84 when joey hayes and those guys are playing and and it was just the ua was just getting traction and packing the soul and then on into the 90s where they had you know huge success they went to the national tournament they had dean larson the pete McEnany's, Derek donald's all these studs playing there um if you'd have told me that this we'd be at this spot right, right yeah, now i would yeah. have said you're you're crazy, crazy. Yeah. you're fucking crazy um so how it seems like we had it. We had it by the balls. Like, wh- like what happened? Was it more admin? Was it? Uh, I mean, what what do you think is the smoking gun? I mean, I would say the admin in my eyes is the, the lack of support is is the biggest one. But yeah, I mean, it it certainly uh, blood is on their hands. And I mean, hey, things don't happen in a vacuum, right? And it doesn't happen overnight. This has been a long drawn out process of dominoes falling 
uh, along the way. Um, you know, certainly we can look at the airline center being built. Well, why wasn't ICE put in there? We can look at, uh, you know, with that success that we had in the early 90s with, with Brusher leading the way and, and those guys that you'd mentioned, why wasn't there more of a push to invest more into the, the program, building their own rink or whatnot? Uh, more recently, why wasn't there more of an effort to, you know, stay competitive within our own league, the WCHA? And I, I, I think there's a lot of factors, certainly, um, on, you know, the admin part, certainly could have supported more. We, as a hockey program, taking myself now being in that position, didn't do a good enough job of getting players of, um, you know, the Dean Larson's or the Derek Donald's or the Brian Crafts of the world, like those type of guys of getting them up here. So that's on us as, as a, as a staff, uh, you know, but I think across the board, you know, what happened to the aces, you know, where do they go and, and all the, the glory that they have had. And I had a lot of buddies that played up here and loved it. It's, it's just been for whatever reason, um, these things, economic turns and, and, and whatnot, it's just kind of slowly have brought us down to this point. And, um, I know there's not one specific answer. I know there's a lot of rabbit holes we can go down and and and, yeah. and venture certainly, but the unfortunate reality is is that all those things combined, it has just led to this point. You know, 30 years after you know playing for up for a national championship, uh, you know, and being in that mix is now we find ourselves where we're at of uh, potentially having played our last game. It's it's un unfathomable, but. So when the Aces left, you brought the Aces in, and I've told it before, and I mean, the Aces, uh, I wasn't a huge Aces fan. I just wasn't. Um, I like going to the college games because the college games, you're looking at all the studs who will be in the NHL in two years, three years, four years are coming through. I don't think the average fan, uh, definitely not the average Aces fan, that didn't click. They went, they wanted to drink beer in their seat. They wanted to see a fight or whatever, but... I thought, yeah, when the Aces left, I'm like, shit, now, 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 now it's going to turn. Yeah, like, yeah, we're gonna get, and yeah. then, again, shame on Anchorage hockey fans. When the fuck were you? Like, no one came. I mean, it was, it was still the same, same position. And I think that was before you came along, obviously. But I, I couldn't believe that. I'm like, people, wake the hell up and, and, and see what you have. I mean, it's such, it's, WCHA at that time, you know, Minnesota, North Dakota, we're talking Wisconsin. Some huge teams are coming up here. And and uh, playing to empty empty rink was just pathetic. But uh, speaking to that, challenges of recruiting at UAA. I mean, it's got to be like, <laughs> like well, like you said, it's it's um, it, it it's maybe you're not going after the top top guy, but you're you want to find those guys like like Dean Larson and Pete Mack and those guys that are are good and and and. It, but just getting over, like overlooked by other other. I mean, what are the challenges um, to recruiting it? Yeah, UA? there's a lot. There's a lot. You know, I I think, and I've talked to a lot of guys my age about this in particular. Um, Dal Stewart, who's at, yeah. at 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 Tech now, or uh, just or uh, Justin Bourne, um, who spoke with the guys over the summer, and you know, asking those guys like uh, Matt Chasby, Chaz, same thing. And they go, why did you guys decide to come here? Whether it was to stay here or to come up here. Kevin Ryder, another guy, a good buddy of mine. Um, it was like, hey, I get to play against the, uh, I can't play for the Badgers. I can't play for the Gophers. 
can't play for the Sioux, but I can play for Anchorage, yeah. and I'm going to play against those guys, yeah. right? Exactly. And and I, I I think that was part of you know going back to we we're talking about our kind of downfall is that didn't help us any Penn State joining uh, college hockey, you know, starting the Big Ten. That and pissed just, me off. Oh, the when, they blew, when they blew the WCHA, the WCHA was so yeah. unique. It was so cool. And you having like the big schools like Wisconsin, Minnesota playing like Michigan Tech, UAA. It was so cool. It was, it was just – Specific to hockey, yeah. Wasn't and like so much football. history in that, yeah. that conference too. It's oh, it was great. It was great, and I think you know, even though we might have struggled as a program, you got to see those future NHLers. You see Phil Kessel coming yeah. up and playing, right? And and you, you see Jonathan Taves and and TJ Oshie playing for for Nodak and, and coming up and playing in the Sullivan, and you're seeing those kids. And you know what? You're going to get some good guys up here too, the Matt Bailey's of the world, and those those guys doing their thing. Um, but the the challenges of recruiting um, certainly have you know under my my tenure here has been anything but ideal uh, with the, uh, the the league situation uh, our rank situation going from the Sullivan back back to campus uh, just the whole uh, financial you know dance we've been doing as a state and in the budget cuts we've had uh, from last summer and then obviously into this year uh, they've all kind of plagued us in terms of getting kids that I feel we were in the mix with we were right there with and I'd like to think if not difference makers would have certainly helped us continue to be more competitive and be better um, it, it made it extremely challenging but with that being said and this is a uh, a credit to you know Nick Walters, Matt Brunito, and Mark Fallon, who those are the guys who found these kids. I, I'd like to think we did a good job under um, those circumstances, finding kids that saw value and believed in what we believed in in terms of, hey, this is a hell of an opportunity um, to, to have a great experience. And, and we were able to get some of those guys. And I think that started to show in terms of our uh, on-ice success in, in the last year. And unfortunately, we uh, weren't able to see it through this year. Yeah, but even like if they would have built a rink 10 years ago, I mean, recruiting-wise, everything, I mean, that's just where the yep. college game is going. It's on campus. It's right there so the kids from the dorm yep. can come over and, and have a few barley pops and watch some hockey. That's that's, that's what you want. I mean, Michigan Tech's like that. Whether they were good, they're bad, what a different – they packed that little barn, yep. and it's and it's like the only thing to do in town. I mean, and, and I, it's funny how much money that? that the hockey community raised for that building that was supposed to be a rink. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. They're, Ask Kathy Bethard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's an unfortunate. The one thing I like to joke around about if uh, when guys ask, you know, because I know where I was in the depth chart and in, in getting this job to begin with, um, you know. If that rink was built, if ice was in that sheet, quite frankly, I wouldn't be here because whoever would have been there at the time, whether it's Dave Shyack or if Tito came through and those guys would have had the ability to have success and they would still be here, um, no doubt, because this program would then would have been able to take the step like uh, the other ones out there in the world that um, have the facilities to offer, are part of great leagues and, and have the support uh, and resources to, to do do right uh, on and off the ice. Right. Well, I think, I mean, I, I had never heard of you before, and that's not saying much because I don't, I don't follow the, the coaching ranks. But I think we got the dime in the rough. I mean, you, you, you were doing the right things, yeah. in my eyes anyway. Um, I, I, 
I was excited in these last couple of years. I'm like, we can, I think you had the chance to, to maybe we not get it now, but I think you have the chance to, to turn it around and that pisses me off. But where, where are you guys at? Like right now, like what, what is our players, our players still here, our players moving on. And we, and, and I want to get your thoughts on like that portal. We talked about that mm -hmm. before in hockey, which never was a thing back when you and I yeah, played yeah. hockey uh, at the college level. Um, so where kind of, where are you at? Have, have players moved on? Are they? Yeah, that's uh, it's certainly been a interesting to say the least. I wish there was a, a blueprint I could follow with, with these, the, the challenges that we've had and, and come up to follow, but it's, it's, uh, uh, it's been interesting to say the least. So um, right now as it stands, uh, everyone's home. Um, uh, we just finished up our semester and, and guys finished up. So they, uh, the last of the guys took off this past weekend to head home for the, the break. Um, guys are kind of all, I don't say all over the map. We had several players that were still junior eligible. Um, and at the beginning of the year, I felt it was in their best interest and in fairness to them and their families for them to go back to junior. Um, although that presents its own challenges for those poor kids and yeah. like everybody, but uh, not to, to, to burn a year. So we got a few guys that did that. Uh, and then for the rest of the guys, it's, it's kind of split into two groups. Uh, those that are, are transferring out um, have had opportunities to continue their collegiate careers elsewhere. Uh, and those that are becoming back and, and really those two groups is it's twofold the, the a lot of the younger guys um, that have yet to start uh, the incoming guys or the guys that were freshmen last year that are looking to kind of move on now um, uh, at other institutions and then the other guys that will be looking to come back to to finish up this year and uh, see what the future holds for them so that's kind of where we're at right now um, and the one thing that we've told, you know, whether it was myself, Wally, or the other guys, is listen, it's a difficult situation for everybody. Um, I'm kind of a heart of my sleeve guy and how we do our business. And for everyone's situation, it's different. And we fully support and respect whatever decisions they and their families decide to do. And for some guys, it was to look to transfer out and to try to play elsewhere. And because they, quite frankly, right. they could. And you know what? I support that. And I'm going to do what I can to help you. And for other guys, they're not going to have that same opportunity. So it's, you know what? You come back here, we're going to take care of you and do the best we can to help you find a home if, uh, if things don't work out up here. So all we've asked is for the guys to be honest and upfront especially with that transfer portal. And then uh, we would do right by whatever they wanted to do. Because at the end of the day, players are the ones that give us, you know, me, Nick, and everybody. They're the reasons we have jobs. And uh, in fairness and, and respect to those guys is to do what they want to do. Well, it, it's, uh, it, it's crazy that, um, again, I, I can't believe we're even sitting here talking about the demise of UA hockey. But um, it has to make you feel good that guys do enter the portal, and you guys were on track. I mean, they, mm -hmm. they weren't they weren't just you know uh, they were good enough players to go continue to play Division One hockey. Yeah, that, that's got to make you feel good. Guys like Kranick and, and Shackle, uh, Tanner Shackle, um, you know, and and again, you guys, I think you guys did a great job, and I think uh, Matt Thomas did the same way of trying to get some more local kids because that, and, and again, I'm not every local kid maybe wants to play for UA, but secretly deep down they actually do um, <laughs> but but the, like everything was lining up on on that uh front but uh so what do you know about the, i don't know a bunch about the portal but the portal was something like that was 
foreign to me. I, fi- I, f- I figured it out this year because, um, you know, Cam was at Providence, one of his good buddies. He had a coach, and as I just entered the portal, and I mean, after his freshman year, I'm like, what is this? I mean, <laughs> yeah. before it was like, you yeah. want to transfer, you sat out a year, yeah. and you lost a year last but Now it's like, yeah, you go in the portal. So what, what's that whole situation like? It came from football, right? It did, yeah. Like, like anything in the NCAA, it drives from – football they're the breadwinner um the ncaa for <laughs> i'm probably shouldn't be saying this but you know for all they call it the student athlete and everything it's a it's big business who, yeah, who's big kidding money. who right yeah. it's uh so football dictates that and they lead the way and basketball and then we're kind of third on that pecking order so uh the, the transfer portal what what that does now um, and, and I believe the legislation was going to go through here in early January. What it's going to allow kids to do is once they notice, notify their coaches, or quite frankly, they don't even have to, but um, they go to this NCAA site and they uh, basically declare that, hey, this isn't working out for me at my current institution. I'm choosing to put myself back out in the open market to go elsewhere. And it's really that simple. Uh, and, and I think this legislation that's going to go through where you've traditionally had to sit out a year to discourage kids from doing that, right. barring, uh, you know, really, really extreme circumstances. To, to So it's not a free-for-all. To, so essentially it becomes a pro game, right? Mm-hmm. Stay a year, this ain't working out, I'm going. Right. To avoid that, well, that's no longer the case. So I think in January it's going to pass that that year of, of sitting in residency which means that uh, if, if someone was at UAA or uh, you know Miami they'd have to sit out a year prior to playing at Penn State or Denver or whatnot that that that's being forfeited that you don't no longer have to do that so what uh, basically if the grass isn't green enough in your backyard where you're at you can go look elsewhere going on this portal and, and I think what that's going to do is open up some avenues for kids that you know maybe went to a place that wasn't a great fit or wasn't working out well it gives them a chance to to go elsewhere and maybe they find a better fit uh, i know there's a yeah. lot of mixed feelings on that no, there is like they, yeah, there's that part of the kid like hey maybe not getting a, a fair shake yeah. whatever and let him play and then there's the other thing well i'm going to spend three years at one school and then i'm oh these guys have a really good team and then i'm going to go to this other team as a senior and that's happened on the yeah. camp team like what is why would you want to leave as a player i'm with my boys right. for three yep. years why yep. am i leaving is it that much that important and be, be right it becomes more of like a pro atmosphere yeah yeah it's going to be really interesting you know again i know everyone has their kind of like their own thoughts and and where that is it good is it bad is it is it dev you know at the end of the day for me um, it's big business. Um, you know, there's a lot of us that get paid really well and very well compensated for what we're doing. I know the kids, they're very well taken care of. They have uh, pro careers they're looking into and jockeying themselves for these positions. So it's it's not a popular, I guess, opinion, but that's the reality of where we're at. Good, or, good bad, or indifferent. And I think, um, I don't know where it's going to end up for us. I, you know, Quite frankly, for us, if we are able to raise that money and, and be reinstated, it's going to serve as an extreme benefit for us to find kids that, hey, maybe things aren't working out at Providence or working out at a, uh, a at a Union College or a Western Michigan. Well, heck, you can come up here scot-free, bam, right away, and we're, we're off and running. Um, 
So I think it certainly puts a lot more onus now on coaches in terms of making good decisions on who they decide to bring in and maybe holding their feet to the fire a little bit in terms of if you're going to tell a kid something, you better stick with it or you just don't say it. You better be honest. And um, in that part of it, it makes me a little happy in terms of, uh, you know, these guys that stockpile and whatnot. Well, that's not going to be happening anymore. you got to be a little more, you know, you're going to be held accountable for your actions, which I do believe is much needed um, in our game because uh, there's a lot of horror stories out there, and it's unfortunate. It ends up costing players and, and families their kind of career paths, and, and that's been unfortunate. The, the one thing I didn't like about the portal um, is that you have a, have a kid who maybe, maybe as a freshman only played a handful of games, but he really wants to play wherever he's at and then the coach comes in and I just enter the portal you're out of, you're out of here and there it's like dude you you recruited the kid to play at wherever I, I really want to play here and you sold the kid on it and now you're telling him I just enter the portal yeah that that kind of that didn't really sit very well with me but um but yeah what an interesting thing because it never used to be like that I mean no you, you were stuck you were stuck That's or you it. you sucked it up and lost a year um so let's say hypothetically um that we, we we raise the money as a community, and, and so where where do we where do we kind of go from there? No no uh, no conference, so you're back to being independent, but you can still get. Seems like independents still get games. Yep. Yep. And so so th that would be the plan is be yeah, independent. Yeah, that's yep. the that's the plan. I mean, uh, I spent uh, most of last spring, uh, Wally and I going down through in every single college, planning ahead of time as moving forward as an independent. And trying to gain games for us and traveling and, and, and figuring that out. So I think for the first couple of years, there's no way around it. Like, we are going to be an independent. But that's, you got UAF, which is good because yeah. they can come up and bam, 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 bam. We'll, pl I mean, that's, we'll play them a dozen times. And, yeah. and that's, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Again, that's just logistically, it makes sense. It's a good rival. The state, all those, there's a lot of positives. So, you know, we get games there. If Arizona State stays an independent, I don't know what uh, Long Island's doing, uh, Alabama Huntsville. Yeah. And, and the big one up here for us is, and this dates back to the old WCHA days with North Dakota and Duluth and Minnesota and Denver, is we're exempt up here, you know. So when teams are willing to come up here, they're essentially free games, mm -hmm. uh, right. which means if North Dakota was willing to come up here and, and, and to play us, well, they it, it, they don't count against their 34-game limit, which means they can go back down to the Ralph the following weekend and you know invite us back down or whoever and beat up on them for uh, half yeah. a million dollars in in, in uh, revenue with with gate and, and parking and and uh, everything else. So um, financially, it makes a lot of sense for a few teams out there still. So there's a lot of different avenues we could try to approach um i think there's opportunity out there in, in the independent world at least for a couple of years yeah big time and again with uaf like i just go back to like a place like michigan tech why can't i think uaf is kind of like that they, they pack that barn why can't why can't we i mean we did it we had it why can't we we need to get back to that that spot of, of where you know it is the only game in town i mean what else there is to do yeah. like, hockey wise or sport wise in, in anchorage there's nothing so uh, if you're listening out there, people, when the UAC Wolves come back in town, go to the goddamn games. 
sneak in the back door, whatever you can do <laughs> to get them in there. I did that to UA game, by the way. When North Dakota came up here, I think I told us on the pod before, but North Dakota came up here, and they were like one or two in the nation. They were good. And UA has them, uh, I don't want to say in the semis, but they ended up losing like four to three, but that fucking place was packed. And I was like 13, 14, and my dad, I didn't have a ticket, so my dad comes down and goes, hey, you uh, go, get, go get your gear. I'm like, okay. So I got my gear and we went down around the, the, downstairs to the security place. He goes, just get your jacket up, get your hat down low. So I did. And my dad's like, yeah, we got a player from uh, North Dakota. So he overslept that. We got to get him in there. And I'm like, yep, yeah. they buzzed me in. I went up top, told someone to hold the door, went up, put my gear back in the truck, and I was able to watch the game. But, uh, dude, I'll never never forget that that game. And, and then, like, uh, like, again, like from that, to to where we are now it's just it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow and um and again i can't overstate the fact that uh like i don't know i don't want to know what it's going to be like with no uaa here as far as youth hockey is concerned as far as growing the game i mean it's horrible especially i mean you look at these unis like I think Michigan Tech, I went to Michigan Tech, and Michigan Tech's got some sweet unis. These are sweet. And like we're talking about the logo, there's no better logo. Uh, it, it's it's a. Uh, you guys did a good job in the jersey. Where's the other? Where's the other? Yeah, yeah, the cream color one was sweet. Yeah, that, those are our fortieth uh, anniversary from last year. They're nice, aren't they? Killer, beautiful, killer, beautiful, killer. So 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 much history. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. What uh, let's go to the save save the seawolves again. Dot com. Is it save the save the seawolves dot com? Yeah, save seawolf hockey. Save seawolf hockey dot com. Yeah, again, and it, it might not even be a, a stretch to say it's not just save seawolf hockey. It could be save, save hockey, save hockey in South Central Alaska. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, we're again we've been talking about what does hockey landscape look like if there's no more seawolf hockey program, and and like Rito said, it's it's dismal. It's it's not a, a pretty future picture out there for hockey in general without the seawolves being there to kind of basically lead us through that's it It, you know it's true i mean you look at any whether it's junior hockey college hockey pro hockey you know when wayne gretzky went down to the la kings back in the early 90s there's a reason why we have great california born u.s born kids from california playing where they're playing yep. at, you that, know, that was the incarnation of it, it, hockey right? in South, it, it South just, California. It, it rises in SoCal, you know. Uh, you know, I had the good fortune to work with a kid named Austin Matthews when I was at the U.S. program <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from from Arizona. You know what I mean? Austin Matthews yeah, right. sounds that familiar. A familiar sound. You guys know that guy, <laughs> right? Um, but coming, you know, players like that. Seth Jones is born down uh, in San Antonio, Texas. But you look at these non-traditional markets. Well, why were they able to uh, continue? Not only continue, but just to start from nothing and to grow into these you know, meccas now of, of producing talent and growing our game. Well, it's because of the influx and, and the influence of those teams in those areas. And certainly the Seawolves being in Anchorage, Alaska, being in South Central is no different. And there's a reason why players, whether it's Scotty Gomez or Nate Thompson or Matt Carl or, or, or Reed McDonald or whoever it may be going on to do what they do because of what they had to build towards in the Seawolves. I made mention of Clarkson University. That was my everything watching, yeah. you know, Craig Conroy, uh, Willie Mitchell, uh, you know, watching those guys. I wanted to be those guys. Well, it, it, 
gave me something to strive for and reach and whether or not I was ever going to get there is totally irrelevant. Um, but it gave something for you to work towards and what that does, your passion for that bleeds out into your other guys around you and you pass it on when you get in the coat and it just, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So to see that go away or potentially go away, uh, like I said, we're not throwing it, in the towel yet. No, people. no, we're, 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 uh, we're a million in, right? Yeah. A million, million in million Let's strong. Go. Yep. So, so, I mean, uh, thanks for coming on the pod. Number one, uh, we're huge fans of yours, not just UA and, and, and uh, Nick, you for sure as well. Um, I, I think, you know, we have all the pieces that we need to move forward. Um, you know, you guys have recruited some good, good players and, and, you know, we just got to do a little more, uh, fundraising, but uh, let's get this back on track. I mean, this, this has to happen. I mean, it has to happen. So, um, thanks so much for coming out boys. Appreciate it. Um, save seawolfhockey.com. Um, we're going to get it done hopefully for you guys. And, uh, cause we can't, we can't afford to lose UA at all. So no, no. Yeah. And guys, uh, thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. I love talking hockey. I miss playing. I miss being out there with our guys, but, um, anyone that's listening, save seawolfhockey.com. Plenty of information. We got, uh, I think 63 days now to, before that date due day, um, with, with, uh, what we need. So, uh, Whatever you can do to help our cause, it's not just our cause, it's, it's uh, um, the community's cause, it's everybody. So whatever we can do uh, collectively as a group, it takes a village, and we certainly need one now to, to help us get to uh, where we need to get to. Well, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate all your efforts. And, uh, guys, thanks for coming out. Uh, and I think it's time for Dump and Change.